welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hello again, James. Hey, Scott. How's it going? It's good. Good. Yeah. More listener questions. Listener questions. Actually, same listener, different question. Yes. So thank you for that. (laughs) We appreciate the questions. Keep them coming. And for other listeners, please submit yours um, Mm -hmm. so that we can help you guys. Submit questions and reviews. Yeah. And fan mail. (laughs) Totally. Um, Okay. So this question, um, he wanted to... Okay. So here's the question. So my 401k plan has offered target date funds for about a year now. And I'd like to understand how these, those fees work or whether or not it would be better slash cheaper to replicate and blend um, with other funds offered. On the surface, it looks like you just dump 100% of your allocation of the 401k into the target date fund. However, the target date fund has a total fee of like 0.34% between fund management fees and administrative fees. Uh, I've read total annual operating fee may not include fees that are associated with the target date fund investing in other funds. Much of the information I've seen online seem to indicate that a target date fund is really just an aggregate of various other mutual funds across different types of funds. This makes sense given that the list of investment managers is quite lengthy and spans a number of companies. So my question is, does it make sense to allocate the majority all 401k contributions to a target date fund or a portion to the target date fund or simply replicate a blended balance from available lower fee funds? Good question. Well, you missed my favorite part. Oh. It says, I can already hear you guys <laughs> saying, in quotes, it depends. So looking forward to hearing which variables. <laughs> he already answered the question. <laughs> it depends. Podcast yeah. over. Yeah, done. Uh, I guess we do say that a lot, huh? It depends. Uh, great question. So we'll, we will talk about what it depends on and what those variables are. But to start with, just understanding what is a target date fund, that that doesn't depend. That is pretty straightforward. And you said in the question, you said much of the information I've seen online seemed to indicate that a target date fund is really just an aggregate of the various other mutual funds across the different types of funds. And that's exactly what it is. Is it saying rather than you going in and picking individual mutual funds or index funds that you can invest in, you have a target date fund manager that's picking individual funds and allocating them in a way that might be appropriate for you based upon different retirement ages. Yep. So are you going to retire in 2020? You might see a target date fund 2020. It's going to be a more conservative mix of funds because you're retired. If you're going to retire in 2055, it's going to be a more aggressive mix of funds. But that is exactly what it is. This is just a fund manager choosing funds for you as opposed to you choosing them individually yourself. Do you know how I think of it? I think I do. I think of it like uh, you're buying salsa. That's what I thought. Yeah. By age. <laughs> by salsa by age. <laughs> it's like... All of the ingredients that go into the salsa are the same, Mm -hmm. but the levels of spice riskiness Mm -hmm. change depending Mm -hmm. on how old you are, Hmm. right? So one of the simplest forms of investing is go buy a target date fund. And by doing so, you kind of set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about it. Um, 
yeah, it, it, for a lot of people, it can be a great place to start. Yes. It's kind of my thought process on it. Um, but as you become more knowledgeable, you may want to make your own salsa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Store-bought, generic ingredients, generic mix of ingredients might be good. Yeah. But if you can make your own salsa, make it. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe I'm killing your analogy. No, no, I think that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's just, do you want the store-bought or do you want to do, do it yourself? Yeah. And then what's the cost of the trade-off between the two? Exactly. So let, let's kind of work through this. Of how do the fees work? Would it be better or cheaper just to replicate the same exact blends with other funds? You know, where do you where do you draw that line between having the store bought salsa versus doing your own type of type of thing? Um, let's start with how do the fees work? And mm-hmm. I think this is something that does depend upon the plan because yeah. when you look at what's called the internal cost, when you invest in a four hundred one k or any mutual fund, it's never free. There's always a cost to do so. Right. And as we just mentioned, it, well, and that cost it's an internal cost. So. You know, if you have a fund and the internal cost is 1%, what it means is that fund is investing your money for you and it's taking 1% per year to do so. Mm-hmm. If you have a target date fund, we just mentioned that it's one fund, but that fund is then owning other funds and yeah. it's managing them for you. So the question is, am I paying redundant fees to do that? And I th- it depends on the plan and it depends upon the target date plan. Yep. Because so a fund of funds. A fund of funds. Yep. So there could be a fund of funds that say offers... Maybe I'm a big custodian like Fidelity or Charles Schwab, and I offer exchange-traded funds for to retail investors for no cost. Right. But I might have a target date fund that uses those same funds, but I'm going to charge 0.5% or 0.75%. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to pay that 0.75% in the 401k. Yeah. Right? And I was just using, I was looking at examples before this, and there was actually a Fidelity fund. This is not an endorsement of this fund or anything. It was just using it as an example. And the cost of the fund was 0.75%. And then I looked, okay, well, what funds is it owning? And it was owning a bunch of funds that had zero internal cost. Ah. And now I couldn't go directly invest in those funds because of the share class that they were. Right. But I could own the target date fund, pay that manager 0.75%, and then they would own those funds for me. So. Mm -hmm came out similar to the average cost of some of the other funds in that plan, mm-hmm. but that was just one plan. It could, it, it could be different. Yep, yep. I do see others. Uh, it, there are others where it does appear that there's a fee charged on top of the internal fee. So mm-hmm. say you have a, a fund that charges 0.5% to manage it for you, but then the internal cost of the funds that it's using is also 0.5%. I've seen mm-hmm. cases where the total cost of that would be one, so you are kind of paying those two separate things. Yep. Um, and then some, it just looks like the total cost of the target date fund is the same as the internal funds inside of it. it just kind of passes those costs along to you. Yeah, you see that with like the um, like Vanguard funds. Vanguard. Very similar, very close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not charging a lot extra. Right. Now, one thing to remember there too, though, is just that the, sometimes the underlying fees, those ad- administrative fees and all that stuff happening inside of the 401k plan, that can get charged through the, the percentage of the expense ratio that they're going to show on the plan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. or vice versa. And what makes me think of that is sometimes people will think, well, I'm going to break free of this. I'm going to go use the money link, which sometimes people will see that that's offered for mm-hmm. them as well. has nothing to do with the target date fund here, but just right. imagine for a second, I'm at Fidelity. I want the freedom to invest my own money in the own universe of stuff. I'm going to move it to my money link account. Well, that money link account's still going to charge you an administrative fee to manage your money mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the, the, 401, the 401k plan is going to get paid regardless. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yeah. They, there's going to be fees and yep. that's not necessarily a bad thing that, that there's that's the cost of doing this you want to make sure the fees are reasonable yep. and they're not excessive 
um, but there will be fees. And depending upon the plan, those fees could be structured differently, even within target date funds that are pretty universal across most plans. Yes. So what would it be cheaper to replicate the blends or just use the target date fund? Yeah. Um, that wasn't a yeah, like a yes. That was like a so the answer would be carry on. You can go look at you. You can actually go break that down. Right? You can break it down, which yes. is what we would typically do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sometimes it's looking at is the is the juice worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. So you know if you just started out investing and you don't have a lot to invest yet, um, it maybe just makes sense to keep it simple for yourself and use the target date fund and call it a day. Um, if it's easy for you to go see what the allocation is of that target date fund. And you can understand what the other com- individual components are, the individual ingredients inside of that fund lineup that you mm-hmm. can make your own salsa. Yep. And you want to build a similar a- similar allocation. Well, you can quickly see whether or not you can pay less in expenses. Mm-hmm. If you can, I would usually lean towards doing that mm-hmm. if that's the right allocation for you, obviously. Yeah. And one of the things to look at with that is in the target date funds, they're, they're typically going to be pretty diversified. So lots of different types of stocks, lots mm-hmm. of different types of bonds. And then usually every 401k plan also has a list of individual funds that you can invest in. Big stocks, small stocks, bonds, et cetera. Look at what options you have. Like those individual funds that you can invest in, sometimes they don't, they're, they're, they don't allow you to make the most perfect diversified portfolio that you can. Mm-hmm. They might not have access to certain regions, whether it's, I don't know, emerging markets, or maybe there's no real real estate fund, or maybe there's right. no, I'm just making stuff up, something fund. Well, oh, yeah. the target date fund, it might have that just as the part of its overall makeup, but you might not be able to build or, or replicate the same portfolio depending on what funds you have. Right. I recall a, um, a plan where the target date fund was um, like Vanguard type target date funds. Mm-hmm. And then the other fund choices were like active fund managers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, then you have to ask, like, do you want to go passive versus active? Do you want right. to pay more or pay less? And it's like, well, you know, you just, you have to pick your poison. Right, right. So if you can do it, and if you enjoy doing this, and if you know what fund or what portfolio you need to build out, then great, go build your own uh, portfolio and skip the target date fund. But the mm-hmm. target date fund, while I don't think it's either of our favorite thing in the world, I think we, we realize you can do better. It is turnkey, which provides simplicity and it helps to automate things. And it's going to automatically build certain features in for you. So if you're just a beginner and you want to figure out, or, or if you, this just this type of thing, you don't want to second guess yourself or you don't want to be thinking, um, gosh, am I investing in the right types of funds? Target date fund can help with that because it just takes that off your plate. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's, it's, it's definitely good. Yeah. And to speak, you know, um, it's kind of like saying like, uh, should I use a target date fund or should I not? It's kind of like saying like, should I use a mutual fund or should I not? Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are really good target date funds and there are really bad target date funds. Right. <laughs> Just like there are great mutual funds and great bad mutual funds for the same right. asset class. Right? right. So I think it's just dependent upon what's what's the right fit for you. Um, are you going to, are, is it easier for you to set it and forget it and never have to worry about it again? Mm-hmm. Um, if so, that can make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree. As you get a mass wealth where there's hundreds of thousands of dollars, it can make a lot of sense to to be more mindful with it than yep. perhaps just a target date fund. It may turn out that the target date fund is still the best choice, Yeah, but you'd want to really do a deeper dive into figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I tend to like target date funds in general. I think my biggest complaint is 
they they tend to be a little bit more conservative than I might like for a young investor. Like for myself, for example, mm-hmm. I have a long time until retirement. I'm 31 years old. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, the, and, and so when I'm choosing my mix of stocks and bonds, I don't really want a lot of bonds in my long-term money because it's just not going to grow as much. Yeah. Target date funds, even the most aggressive options, I mean, the ones that say I'm not going to retire until 2050 or 2055 or beyond, many times they still have 10 to 15 to sometimes even more percent two bonds, which mm. isn't the end of the world, but it's also, um, I might not want that for myself, mm-hmm. but that, that depends upon your risk tolerance and kind of what, what makes is good for you. But they are a little bit more cookie cutter in that sense of just being, which has its benefits, but it's, it's, it might not be perfect for you which comes if you want to take right the time. back to salsa. Cause clearly you like more jalapeno. I love the spicy salsa, salsa and this then the Albertson store-bought salsa. The average 30 year old, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is really the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want the, what is, what do they, what does the institutional investor think is the right thing for me? Set it and forget it. I don't want to worry about it. Target day fund can be a good way to start. Right. But as James just pointed out, you know, he wants to be probably more, maybe a touch more aggressive than what even the, the, uh, kind of the, the money manager types of the world would say would be appropriate mm-hmm. given age. So he's like, no, I want to make my own. Mm-hmm. So he should. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like that's, yeah. That's great. Those money managers that. don't know me. I, I'm making I, my own salsa. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not against having, um, bond allocation in, 401ks and whatnot. I think there can be some interesting reasons to do so, especially so you could perhaps have a little bit less of cash floating around just on your balance sheet. Um, so that, but if something de- really bad happens, you have a place to go pull funds from if a really devastating moment occurs. Um, but to, to your point, that a target date fund wouldn't really work there either because mm-hmm. you want to make sure you have funds access very easily accessible and you don't have to slice out of the equities market at that time. Right. Right. Awesome. And, and then the bottom line question, the end of this all is, so my question is, does it make sense to allocate the majority slash all 401k contributions to a target date fund, a portion to the target date fund, or simply replicate a blended balance from available lower fee funds? Again, back to the listener question. And I think we can answer, it depends. Yes. She <laughs> <laughs> knew it. Know it. Yes, man. I'm going to rename the podcast, it depends. No, but, but you know, to, to, to bring it... Uh, all the way around, it, it really can depend on what what's the quality of the target date fund, what's the cost of that target date fund. And if you go compare that to what you can build with the individual components that are available, what will the cost be there? And then all, but also what will the broad diversification be of that as well? Mm-hmm. Can you replicate what you need? Yeah. It, and, and then to what extent uh, do you, do you want to be calling the shots on this? Yeah. You know, if, if, if you'd feel more comfortable again, to your point of, Hey, there's institutional money managers, there's going to, they're going to manage this fund as if I'm going to retire in 2040 or whenever it is, I'm comfortable with that. Great. Just offload that. Let them make that decision for you. Yeah. If you, if you feel really strongly about an allocation that you'd rather have, then, then build it yourself. Um, I don't really see a reason why you would do like 50-50, for example, part target date fund, part other. To me, it's either one or the other. It, it's not bad, but it's just, yeah. do you want to do it yourself? If so, create a portfolio from the available funds. If you want someone else to do it, and it may cost a tad bit more, then, then do the target date fund. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. S- set it and forget it, as Ron Popiel would say. Do you even know who Ron Popiel is? He makes salsa? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Infomercial guy, but that was like 80s before your time. 80s, okay. Uh, off the salsa train, I guess. Cool. <laughs> all right. Cool. That's all See I got. Next time. See you next time.
thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.